You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so is 100% free and ensures you never miss another episode. You'll also stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Tonight's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On tonight's episode, there are a number of interesting topics to discuss. I wanted to focus primarily on the pre-expansion draft stuff, especially regarding Winnipeg, but we did have one major trade that occurred earlier today between Nashville and LA, and I think this trade suggests a number of different things, uh, especially in terms of the trade market, what teams might be doing ahead of the expansion draft, and how the Jets might play this one out as well. Then we'll discuss some off-season moves and what I would like to see the Jets do. And finally, closing us out, we have been doing a lot of Euro 2020 coverage, and I thought it would be fun to do a little bit of a preview starting for tomorrow's quarterfinal matches, which run throughout the weekend, and we have some really juicy matchups that I think you should be paying attention to. So stay tuned later in the episode. We'll talk about which ones are going to be the best games and what I think is going to happen. First, though, let's talk about the trade between Nashville and L.A., Now, this one is for Victor Arvidsson, and I believe Nashville gets a second-round 2021 pick and a third-round 2022 pick, I believe it is, which, on the face of it, isn't great. Um, In terms of, like, a trade return, there are a couple of things that I feel like this trade signals. The first is that the Preds don't really see Arvidsson as a particularly high-end forward, which, at this stage of Arvidsson's career, I think is fair. He's 28. He is still under contract control for three years or so at around $4 million per season. But the truth of Arvidsson is that over the past several years, he has kind of fallen off a cliff. Now, he's not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination, but he's just that version of him that was really elusive, that was really fast, and that could pop 25 to 30 goals a season isn't really the same player that we're getting now. Honestly, I might look at him as more of like a Matthew Perot type where he's very, you know, shifty in the corners and he can be an effective middle six forward, but... Beyond that, you know, it's hard to say if he's really going to have really elite impacts. I think Perot is still at that level of being able to, you know, drive, play, and shape the, the destiny of a game, but Arvidsson is is maybe not quite there, and at least part of that is definitely due to his injuries because he's had quite a few, and I'm sure that his body, you know, has been battered around a bit. So if his knees are in, in poor shape, I could see that having an impact. His shooting percentage definitely took a step back over the last season or so. But the thing with Arvidsson is that he presents a really good bounce back candidate because if in fact he does rebound into form and he's more of like a second line kind of player, you know, the Kings basically got a nice top six upgrade for a very low cost, relatively speaking. It also seems like Nashville sort of understood Arvidsson would have to be one of the guys that's potentially exposed and they didn't want to lose him for nothing to Seattle. So they said, well, let's just take a couple of picks that aren't terrible picks and kind of go from there. I was a little bit surprised by this trade because LA, I understand, is in a bit of a precarious situation with a couple of guys who are still very good, but definitely on the wrong side of 30, and they want to be, in some areas, competitive, but maybe 
you know, uh, with an eye to the to the future without trading like a bunch of future assets away, stuff that's really nice and high end. I guess I'm kind of mixed on this in some areas because on the one hand, yeah, I think you do want to make the most of what you have left in Kopitar and, and Dowdy and Quick and some of the other guys, but by the same token, I just don't know if Arvidsson for me really moves the needle enough. Unless you're chasing like a really big fish like, say, Jack Eichel, I don't know if Arvidsson really fits that timeline. I look at LA's, you know, prospect pool and I think that it's it's definitely very deep, right? They've got some really good young stud forward prospects, Kupari, they've got, um, of course, Spyfield, they've got Jarrett Anderson Dolan, who's also pretty good. But one thing that I do see them needing is like some really elite defensive prospects. I don't think that they have many of those hanging around and I, I don't know if they're going to have, you know, a lot of guys coming in over the next couple of seasons. And so I wonder if it's really worth it to try and improve a team that is quite honestly not that great. And even if you get into like a mediocre state, right, you're the Kings and you probably want to be tanking a little bit more than going for a middling playoff spot. I think you want to be at the stage where you're actually competitive. I don't think you have to be like an elite, elite team necessarily, but I just don't know about Arvidsson really impacting the long-term picture, right? So I think that the price of the whole package makes a lot of sense in terms of the Kings not wanting to give up a lot of futures. I don't know how much value they're going to get out of it. I feel like Arvidsson is a good bounce-back candidate, and my thought is if he performs well and they protect him and stuff, he could be like a good flip asset, right? He spends like, I don't know, a season at LA, maybe two seasons, and then you move him on for like a trade deadline move. At a at a higher cost, maybe, I could see that being a thing. Um, but in terms of like the longer-term picture, I, I would not want to be hanging on to him for too long just because I feel like Arvidsson's kind of at the stage of his career where he probably should be part of like a real contender. If the Kings can finesse something after a resurgence in his career and his shooting percentage and stuff, I think that would be a very ideal situation. They basically paid a low amount. Maybe they can upgrade those assets at the next trade deadline. You never know. I mean, there's a couple of different options that they have. My guess is that they probably want to use Arvidsson for at least one year. I know that Victor can be a very good contributor on the power play and at even strength, but I don't know where he is at this stage. It's kind of hard to get a sense because, of course, Nashville doesn't really score a lot anyways, and Arvidsson's numbers were definitely depressed over the past couple of years. At worst, though, he's being paid like $4 million to be a middle six forward. I don't really feel like that's all that bad, and if you trade like a second and a third rounder, you know, it's not really a big deal. I, I don't think that that's horrible. So Arvidsson coming into the Kings may be a, a good market setter before the expansion draft, which means Maybe you can find some really good value players on similar deals. And maybe you can pick one up for a low price. If the Jets are interested in upgrading their forward core next year, they have a couple of free agents that are going to be out there. Guys like Saad and, of course, uh, Thomas Tatar. And maybe the Jets can swing one of them for a decent deal. And best of all, you won't even have to trade picks for them when they come up for free agency. Of course, I'm sure some of these guys will go to Seattle where they'll be prominent players. But, hey, maybe the Jets can convince at least one of these guys to come to Winnipeg. Speaking of the Jets, I think they have a couple of off-season moves that they need to be investigating, and we'll talk about what they should be doing in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I thought you should hear about why BetOnline should be the only place you do your online betting. When it comes to the chaotic, wacky world of online betting, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball, hockey, and basketball season are all in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, international soccer, and every sport in between. No matter your fandom, BetOnline has your back. 
before the next pitch or face-off, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and enter all the contests your heart desires. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today as all of your favorite sports teams begin their playoff quests for glory. Win as they win. To get started, go to BetOnline.ag and register for a very free account on your laptop or mobile device, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a matched 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are thinking about the Jets in the upcoming season and what they need to do to get back to at least some level of competitiveness. I think we all know where the Jets are. They, they haven't been good. They have a couple of very glaring weaknesses. This team I've talked about in many episodes as being a lot of underwhelming um, performances, some guys that I think aren't really cut up for, for what this team needs to do, and maybe some changes that need to happen at the top levels. But Let's kind of focus on some off-season stuff. The first thing is surviving expansion, right? So I imagine that one of Andrew Kopp or Mason Appleton is going to be on the chopping block. I think the Jets can live without either of these players. If I had to choose one, I would feel like Mason Appleton is probably my pick. I think Andrew Kopp is going to be looking for a significant raise, and I don't know if the Jets really should pursue that. He's at a pretty good age, and I feel like you could get pretty good value out of him for like $4.5 million, but if it starts to push beyond that, I, I kind of worry. I know that his agent, I believe, is, is Kurt Overhart, if I recall correctly, and anytime the Jets have ever dealt with Overhart, it's not really been ideal. So, you know, Cop for me, I, I'm a little bit mixed. I really like him, and I think he's a very good player, but I also don't think he's the kind of guy that the Jets are going to die without. Appleton is cheaper, younger, and they have more contract control over him for the long term, so I, I could see him being the option that they would try to shield. I think Appleton's probably the one that gets selected, though, just because... You know, Seattle's not a, a dumb team, I don't think. Um, they have a very smart core of, of folks working behind the scenes. But I, I do obviously see one of Copper Appleton going, especially because Hackstall tends to love the college players. You know, we saw what he was like with Chris Vandevelde, who he used to coach in college. So I imagine that a cop or an Appleton, an industrious, penalty-killing, happy-go-lucky forward is exactly what he's looking for. Which, you know, for the Jets, it's going to suck to lose either one of them. But, you know, I, I mean... We're kind of at the stage where I think that's the least of Winnipeg's problems. After you get past expansion, the, the Jets then have a lot of really big questions. I think one of the biggest things is, um, even leading up to expansion, they need to figure out what to do with Neil Pionk. I think Pionk should be extended, but I also look at the contract situations, and I don't know if he's really got a place on this team right now just because Josh Morrissey currently occupies a very large chunk of cap space. He's signed for many, many years. And honestly, I don't really think you can move his contract, so I feel like he's kind of stuck on the books unless you can convince somebody that he's actually worth taking on. The first people that need to be convinced, though, would be Winnipeg, and I feel like they love Josh Morrissey, which, for me, I understand. He took the loyalty deal. He's been a quality left-handed defender before. He even looks functional when you pair him with Dylan DeMello, but let's be honest, it's not because Morrissey is a high-end elite defender. It's because DeMello is capable of elevating the play of those around him. And it, it gives me a lot of pause to try and figure out how to deal with the situation because unless you can get Morrissey off the books, I don't really see a scenario in which the Jets are able to bring back Pionk and acquire somebody a little bit nicer. Winnipeg's biggest need in this offseason is a number one D, and that's been the case for a while now ever since Bufflin and Enstrom and the rest of the guys, including Truba, ended up moving on. Dougie Hamilton is probably the marquee name. Now Hamilton, I think, presents an interesting case. Hamilton's kind of in the same boat of being in, in sort of cop age range, although he's slightly older, he's closer to 28. And so 
what you're expecting with him is three to four years of really prime performance, and then you start getting into the tail end of his career. I would imagine Dougie wants to sign for the full seven, but he has to be signing at a place that he feels comfortable, and he's going to be asking for a pretty decent amount of cash. I don't know how high it's going to be. It could be six and a half, could be seven and a half, could even be closer to eight. This market is very tough to gauge because you're looking at a, a situation that we haven't really faced before, which is a marquee name coming in a post-pandemic era. And I feel like a lot of teams are very hesitant to commit a lot of money, especially to veteran players. On the other hand, this is Dougie frickin' Hamilton, and this guy was, for me, a, a clear Norris candidate, probably the one who deserved it the most this year, and it is extraordinarily rare that you find an opportunity to sign a Norris candidate to boost your team. Hamilton would be a really huge get for the Jets. I, I think it also would signal the need for Winnipeg to be really aggressive and start looking at options for the roster in terms of bolstering the forward unit. If you're, if you're going to sign Hamilton, it basically means you have to get aggressive and start making deals here and there because the Jets forwards, as, a, as it is right now, they're not really good enough. I think it comes down partially to coaching and partially to the roster itself, which is unfortunately not as good as it was or as deep as it was in 2017. The Jets need to make a few acquisitions and move some players around to start finding a more optimal lineup. Hamilton would also need a competent supporting cast. You can't give him just absolute scrubs to work with. Uh, Carolina, I think, has insulated him very nicely with an amazing defense. Well, mostly amazing. There are a couple of guys there that maybe you'd be surprised for a team like Carolina, but hey, every team has one or two players that are a little bit less than ideal. Hamilton, though, would walk onto this team and be like the best defender they've ever really had since Bufflin. So I feel like the rest of the blue line is a little bit in a, a languishing state. Winnipeg really needs to repair the left side in particular. The right side is fine, but the left side is kind of a disaster. I don't think a, a left side of Morrissey, Heinola, and Stanley next year would be particularly ideal, especially because Heinola really wasn't allowed to play this year, so he hasn't had much NHL experience to draw from, and it's going to be really frustrating to try and get him in. This would have been the ideal season to introduce him to the NHL when it's a shorter schedule and against weaker opponents. Instead, Winnipeg decided the best thing to do was to have him mostly rot in the press box. If you want to put yourself at an early disadvantage in the following season, especially when things go back to normal, there's schedule resets and we're probably looking at realigned divisions, benching one of your top D prospects who frankly needs NHL ice time is a good way to get started. So I feel like the Jets have a lot of work to do. Dougie Hamilton would go a long way to easing some of my concerns, but it would open up a can of worms as to what the rest of the roster is going to look like, so I feel like the Jets need to commit one way or another. They've needed to commit for a while now, but with the, the team as it is and how precarious the roster situation is, Winnipeg needs to do it now or never. I'd be curious to know what you would want to do with this team, whether you feel like Hamilton is going to fix things or if you feel like the team should honestly just kind of pass and work on a longer term rebuild. Let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter, and I'll discuss it on our next episode. For now, though, I want to take a break from talking hockey and pivot towards the Euro 2020, which we've been covering for the past couple of weeks. It's now time to look at the quarterfinals round and what we might expect from one of the most exciting Euro tournaments we've had in ages as we enter the final eight in their quest for glory. Before we get too ahead of ourselves, though, I did want to shout out tonight's title sponsors at rockauto.com. In the modern era of vehicle maintenance, there are literally thousands and thousands of makes and models, with some vehicle lines having five to six versions of the same exact car. This makes it very difficult for local auto parts stores to keep up, and when you're looking for replacement parts, there's a really good chance the place you're at doesn't have what you need in stock. If you want to save time, money, and the hassle, go to rockauto.com right now. They're a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. 
Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you can save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing, so why shop anywhere else? rockauto.com never charges a membership fee, and all customers pay the same prices no matter their experience. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com. Hey folks, welcome back. You have joined the Soccer Power Hour. Just kidding, it's still locked on Winnipeg Jets, but of course, you know, I love the Euro 2020, and I'm sure a lot of you have been watching it. It's been a fantastic tournament. Um, I wanted to talk about the upcoming matches for this weekend because it is the quarterfinals. We're entering the final stretch of football. And my oh my, what a tournament it has been. Um, Probably one of the most memorable Euros that I've watched in some time. Even compared to some of the World Cups, this has been amazing. Obviously a much smaller competition, but still a fantastic one. And we've got a couple of really cracking matches starting tomorrow. Um, One of the first ones is Switzerland versus Spain. Switzerland, of course, really renowned now for having knocked the French out. I think this one might actually be the match in which they're eliminated. Spain is very good at scoring lots of goals and putting you under pressure. I feel like the Spaniards have figured out how to crack defenses, and certainly their their lack of goal scoring was an issue early on, but nowadays they seem to be finding twine a lot more frequently, and if if the Swiss defense falters just even a little bit, it's going to be a problem. It's not going to be the same test as France, but certainly... This is not a Spanish team you want to sleep on. The Swiss will basically need to be perfect to get through, which they've had to do throughout this entire tournament. It's not always been perfect, but they find a way. Maybe they can do it one more time. We've then got the big marquee matchup, which is Belgium versus Italy. That promises to be a very defensive battle. If Kevin De Bruyne is healthy enough to play, I think Belgium will take this one in a very narrow affair. But if he's not, Italy should have this one. Belgium with and without KDB is like a totally different team, so I I think Italy has the defensive awareness, the skill, and the really well-balanced roster to get through against a KDB-less side if, in fact, Belgium doesn't have him. Moving towards the weekend, we have a couple more matches. These ones are probably not going to be as highly touted except for the one on on Saturday at 3 p.m., but the first one is going to be the Czech Republic versus Denmark. I know this one doesn't seem like super amazing, but I am telling you, you should be watching this if you have the time. This match will be absolutely insane. If you've watched any of the Czech Republic or Denmark's games this tournament, you just know that this will be an explosive, high-octane, very fast-paced game, lots of vertical through balls, lots of really rapid counters, and it's going to be a very emotional game for Denmark because they're trying to advance in honor of Christian Eriksen. The Czechs are trying to advance further than they have in some time, thinking that they can ride Patrick Schick and the rest of this team to a really good finish. You know, Vashlik in, in goal has been very strong for them. Their defenses may be a little bit suspect, but they have managed to hold out so far, and now they face a very fast, very dangerous Danish team. So I'm, I'm excited about this one. I, I think it's going to be a great match. I'm not sure if this one will be in Copenhagen, but if it is, expect a very, very, very lively crowd. The last match of the quarterfinals will be Ukraine versus England, and this has trap game written all over it. I know that the English have been very good this tournament. In fact, they've been one of the best defensive sides out of all the teams, but Ukraine is one of those teams that has traditionally knocked England out in really embarrassing fashion. I don't think that it's going to happen this time. I I feel like England is going to see it through. They've been very businesslike throughout this tournament. I feel like they're just a little bit different than they were in previous matches, but trying to predict the outcome of this tournament has basically been a joke because really unexpected twists and turns have occurred just about every other match day, so don't take my word for it. Just watch the game. Enjoy it for what it is. 
I think this weekend's going to be fantastic. I'm really excited. We're really heading towards a Euro tournament winner that we haven't seen in a long time. I'm pulling for Denmark, but I'd love to know who you're pulling for. Switzerland is also a really good choice. Belgium there, too. I think um, the English would be all right. I wouldn't be upset about that. Same with the Spaniards, but be sure to let me know who you're rooting for in your top choice at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. That will close us out for tonight's episode. Before you log off, don't forget to check out another fantastic podcast so you can get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today show. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.